Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IA Cast. All right, I'm Michael Doeys, and welcome to another episode. This is episode 202. We've been going for quite a while now, and I've got another great group of folks with us this time. As usual, we have Michael Babcock with us. Hi, Michael. Can you say usual when I only show up, like every five episodes or something? Well, considering our next guest, who has been on before, but it's been a very long time, uh, we have Ashley Coleman back with us. Hi, Ashley. Hello. Yeah, I think it's been over... 100 and something episodes, a long time since you've been on. So it's great to have you back. Yeah, at least five years. Yeah. So at least at least that long. Yeah. So we're back time for, you know, another episode of the IACast. It's a new year and new predictions and, you know, new tech to come out. We already know some things are going to come out, but it's interesting because... There's been a lot of tech news at the end of the year. I mean, huge amount of tech news, and and it just never stops these days, I feel like. It's just something going on or something changes or, you know, and I I feel like we need to report on on some of these things. But I I think one of the biggest things that's changed that, at least in in the AT area, that's going to affect a lot of people is the applications key changing to the co-pilot key. Michael, what are your thoughts on this? Because I, I think it's kind of crazy myself. I I am not as upset as a lot of other users are about it because I primarily access Windows from a laptop, which typically doesn't have an applications key. So I've already found workarounds to that problem, but I also understand the frustrations that people have when when Microsoft's like, yep, we're taking this away just to give you a chat GPT key that no one's going to use. I mean, maybe people will, but Cortana, Microsoft Cortana, that's all I'll say about you. And so I... I think it's interesting what they're doing until it actually happens, though. I'm not going to make any judgment. And as I said, I'm not as disappointed about this because I've already found workarounds for it, whether that be using something like Sharp Keys or Shift F10 where possible. Now, there are some apps that you cannot use Shift F10 in for your application alternative, applications key alternative. But that's my opinions on that. You know, one thing that we don't know, though, is... Will the sharp keys actually change that key? Could Microsoft actually come up with a way to prevent that? Well, I suspect they could, but that's not going to prevent you from assigning a different key to your applications key. Sure. Like you're not going to, I don't think you're going to lose the application key all around if you are willing to mess around with it. And mm-hmm. it would be interesting to see, and I don't have as much experience with it, if if Microsoft is able to disable the app, the chat GPT key from being reassigned in sharp keys, can you still reassign it in the keyboard manager for power toys? And so that would be a, that would be my first check before I went and assigned a different key to the to the applications key. Right. Ashley, what are your thoughts? Does, does this affect you or if if you're you know, if you're training somebody, does does this kind of change the way you think about things or, or what are your thoughts? 
So it's uh, so me personally, I don't have applications here on this computer, and it's kind of become a pain because Windows relies so much on it that I think it will be disruptive for people who rely on it. I use Shift F10, Shift F10 a lot, but I also know that other people use other tools to reassign that key. But I think for people who are learning spin readers, it will be a thing that people have to get used to because not everyone's going to know how to reassign key to something else. I think it will be useful as for like the AI features and tools if they have cool things included, but I think also could be a problem. I'm on the fence. And why do we need a dedicated key? I don't have that answer. When there's a dedicated Windows keystroke to activate Copilot, is this key supposed to do something different than what Windows C does? I don't know. I, that, I That's a good question. Yeah, very good question. I, I think it's just for ease of use. And I think it's because it's like... You know, I, I heard on a on a Twit podcast, and, and this kind of plays into our episode here about predictions, they said uh, AI would be the next big, it would be the next internet, the next big thing to change computing. And the the stat was, was that they, the Windows keyboard was, it hasn't, the Microsoft layout on the keyboard hasn't changed in 30 years since, you know, with the change of the applications key. And I kind of feel like that the, the we're looking at the change of times with with AI. And, you know, a lot of people say, you know, all of these AI products are going to be niche. But I think we're going to see, you know, anything labeled with AI is going to get attention these days because it's kind of that new Internet goldmine. At least that's what the predictions are. What are your thoughts on that? Because I, I feel like AI has the potential to be something big or something that's going to pass us by, but I, I kind of am leaning towards something really big with how all of these these flavors of large language models and, and multi multimodal interactions are happening. So what are y'all's thoughts? I think AI as we know it now is going to be around for the foreseeable future. And I look at your phone and how right now, comparatively speaking, my iPhone's a dumb phone right this second because it doesn't have some of the advances that some of the AI has. But I think we also, like, I don't I don't think AI is going to go away. I just learned about a couple of AI tools now that are going to make my life as a podcast producer uh, a heck of a lot easier because AI is jumping in to pick up the slack where I don't necessarily want to do it or I don't have the knowledge to do it. I I hope the, the letters AI or the word, however you want to say it, I hope that becomes out of our, our language and, and our devices just become smart and AI isn't what is behind that if that makes sense what about you ashley yeah i would agree i think it's gonna be big i think you know as as people start to play with it and experiment and try to build new things it will become a household tool and it would help in so many ways going back to the windows key for a second because this is the way my brain works why do they choose the context, the applications key? Why not choose the print screen button or the mm. pause button? Yes, the pause button. <laughs> that would have made a lot more sense. And do we know for sure that this is what Microsoft is doing, or is this a rumor? Because I have not read any of the news articles. I believe that this is something that they are doing because it's been reported on by, you know, 
Paul Therott and other places, that this is a change that is happening. Gotcha. You know, and, and you know, to what y'all were saying, AI has been, or, or, or what you were saying, Michael, AI has, you know, been used as the marketing buzzword to get people's attention. But if you notice that Apple never uses that term, they never use AI. Nope. They'll use machine learning, they'll use computer vision, they'll use, you know, uh, object detection, but never AI. And I think they're trying to set that trend, whereas everybody else is trying to use AI as the pay attention to us word. Right. And Apple's been using machine learning and all those other words for years. And a lot of people, you know, older generations or whatever, they're going to think artificial intelligence and just pass it off as some fake nonsense on the internet. Whereas if you use something that's more relatable, they might consider using it. Well, and then we add the more confusing term to the mix, the artificial general intelligence. Is that something that we think we're going to see this year? I, I don't think. No. I've, I've heard artificial general intelligence a couple of times, and I absolutely hate that. But like, what's general intelligence? What, what, what does that even mean? Right? <laughs> well, like, the, the, the term is supposed to represent when AI becomes smarter than humans, almost the you know, the next step where that it can do things on its own past the LLM stage. And some people have used it to represent awareness, but I don't think that AGI is awareness. It's just kind of the next step in the evolution of, of artificial learning and, and machine learning. There's a show. I don't necessarily like the hosts, but it's called AI Name This Show. And they talk about what they what they think is going to happen with AI. And I think it's really interesting that at the end of 2023, there was a lot of talk about wearable AI. The, oh, what's the name of that pin? That someone remind me. Humane, Isn't it just the, the humane, AI pin? The, the humane pin is humane what I was thinking Humane is of. who makes it, yeah. yeah. Specifically that, that one, like that. That's interesting where that's going. There's also the rewind device, which records your life pretty much and uses AI. So you can go back and ask questions and, and observe stuff like that. So I think wearable technology and, and AI are going to be kind of merged in 2024. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. I, I, I have this Apple watch on my right wrist that is only as smart as Siri. And I'm like, man, if Siri had a little bit more AI smart just to use the the buzz term then maybe my watch would be a lot more useful very interesting times good point yeah and i think we're gonna kind of kind of start to see this this folding of ai into hardware and i think we're gonna start seeing more offline ai uses you know private there's that I think it's called Private LLM. It's an app you could get for yep. the iPhone, iPad, and Mac. And it's, it's pretty cool. And you could play with AI offline, which is fun. You have to kind of know what each LLM does. They're terribly <laughs> named. But it, it's neat that you could play with LLMs offline and see what they do. But I think we're going to see more services go to that, right? And we're going to start to see companies look at how they can uh, cut costs on AI use. Well, and it doesn't help. And Ashley, interrupt me if 
you just want me to shut up for a minute so you can talk, but it doesn't help that last week, the announcement of the OpenAI ChatGPT store was was announced. And where is that going to lead people to? Because I have no problem with paying $20 a month for ChatGPT Plus because I use ChatGPT Plus as if I was to hire an assistant and be able to work with that assistant and get the information I need. And for me, the the time that GPT saves me when it comes to writing emails or when it comes to creating content or communicating with people, because if, believe it or not, I am a horrible communicator. I can talk all day long, but I suck when it comes to writing emails or follow-up or other things like that. And I think GPT has helped a lot with that. And and with GPT being able to be encompassed into both custom GPTs and additional products, I think that's going to really expand that growth. So maybe AI will grow 2024. Oh, well, definitely AI will grow in 2024. Yeah, I think AI will grow. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it would be if... GPT is used, you know, by people like an assistant. They will see a lot of use out of it, and and that, you know, to see kind of how people apply it is. So you know, we keep hearing every every few months AI is getting so smart it's going to start taking jobs away from people. Do you guys think that that's really a thing? Because I I personally don't. I I feel like. AI is only extending the possibilities of what we could do in our jobs. What are y'all's thoughts? I agree. It's not like there are reasons to keep humans doing jobs. AI is only as smart as it can be. And until it can be, you know, completely airproof, then, then that would be when humans would worry about losing their jobs. But I don't think it's going to make people lose their jobs. Yeah, I agree. As a customer service professional, that's the biggest industry that people say AI is going to take over your jobs. AI is going to take over your 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 jobs. So there's not going to be any customer service people. Then I pick up my phone and I call AT&T. And AT&T has a great AI for their voice system. And, and it does everything. Like I can speak to it. It does a really good job. And you can observe that. And then you give it an edge case scenario. I need a return label for my phones that I upgraded at Best Buy. And it's like, what? I don't understand what you're saying. I think that's going to be a problem for a while. So they're, they're, I don't think it'll take away jobs. I think it will shift the, as Michael said, shift the way that we do our jobs to make us more productive, hopefully. Now, there are going to be companies out there, and I'm not going to name them, but I can think of some big companies that will say, oh, we don't need chat or we don't need chat agents anymore. We got chat GPT. We can implement that into our website. I think that's where failure will be observed in some instances right because if it's as if (laughs) if it's working as customer service what if it doesn't have all the resource case scenarios that people call in for customer service for and and then it's just stuck in a loop empathy can be taught but true empathy i think would be difficult for at this time ai to be able to observe Agreed. And, and the whole thing of does the AI that you have agree, you know, will it hallucinate and and contradict your company values? Think about that. Think about a customer typing something to a chat bot on a website. And what if it says, well, you know, as a chat bot, I, I don't believe that company X is representing what you're trying to do in this project. 
think about those kind of, of edge cases where the AI just hallucinates and, and goes, well, I guess you could say breaks the fourth wall, kind of goes out of character and, and, and does not <laughs> represent what the company is, is really trying to, to, you know, put forward. I read a post on Mastodon the other day about an AI tool that gave someone explicit directions to be able to enable a feature on their account. The person followed those directions and the button did not exist where they were supposed to go. So they then finally got a hold of a chat, like an actual human. And the human's like, yeah, well, you can't, you can't do that. And so the post on Mastodon was, it should be that if AI tells me that I can do something or your app or service provides this, then you should have to do that. And I think that's going to be an interesting thing for companies to mess with, to, to have to deal with in the future. <laughs> yeah. When AI is yeah. saying, yeah, you can do this. And then you actually go to do the thing on the tool. And it's like, no, you, you, you can't. We don't have that feature so i think that's where i don't like the word hallucination but i think that's where hallucinations will get ais in trouble yep exactly yep and and it may be that a person a a certain that that feature does exist if you have a certain access level you know Mm. who knows but yeah it's it's that's pretty interesting and you know this, this this episode isn't all about AI, but AI is such a big part of our culture, our part of our technology infrastructure now that you know it has to be talked about. You know, next week is is I think I don't think CES has started yet, but no, it starts on Tuesday, I think on Tuesday, and we always learn a lot from there. And we'll have probably a wrap up show on here on the podcast to talk about it. We've had some great, funny discussions about that, let me tell you, in previous years. But, (laughs) (laughs) and the outtakes show it. But I think we're going to start to see, you know, we'll always see TVs at CES. We'll always see, you know, we we know that we're going to see new Galaxy phones this month, the S24, which is rumored to look like this the the previous year the S23 but do you guys think that we're going to see a change in smartphones this year i mean i hear there's a a, a change rumored in the iphone lineup to how it looks and and feels even more so than the 15 but do you guys think we're going to see anything in the main like android or iphone that's just going to be like whoa that's incredible i think bard's going to come to android assistant and i think that that hopefully We'll make. Does Android Assistant have a name? I don't. Google think it Assistant does right now. I think it's just Google Assistant, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. For some reason, I was thinking to add a name. Anyways, so Bard coming to that, I think, is going to make that a lot more useful. It's interesting that you brought up CES because there's 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 a lot of talk about accessibility playing a a huge role in CES, and and I think there's that's a whole nother path, but I think there's room for accessibility and uh, AI to play together too. But to answer your question, no, I don't. I don't think we're going to see huge changes in the form form factor of phones. Ashley, no, I don't think so. Maybe Microsoft will add a chat GPT button to their their phones, but uh, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah, maybe they'll, maybe they'll they'll, they'll, they'll make the home button of the Microsoft launcher on Android be your chat GPT button. <laughs> right. Well, you know, right. you know, that actually does bring up a cool idea, though, because Samsung and Microsoft do partner a lot. So I wonder if we will see a co-pilot button in One UI on Samsung this year. 
AI is supposed to be a big push for the S24. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that is is coming. And or because Samsung and Google have worked well together. So mm-hmm. is there going to be a bar button? Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe a customizable AI button where you could co-pilot or bard. That's actually, hey, that's our first major tech prediction for this year. We will see on that the That would 17th. be cool. Mm-hmm. You choose what you want. And, you know, maybe maybe they will. Well, you know, some Samsung phones had the Bixby button. And hmm, I wonder if that's going to get upgraded. So many possibilities, especially on Samsung, right? I think... You know, Google has, you know, they're going to, in the Pixel, they'll just leave that hold the side button kind of like with S-Lady on the iPhone. But we had the Bixby button. They took that out, and I think you can hold the side button on Samsung phones. I haven't played with that much. I liked Bixby because of the gamification. As you used their assistant, you got points, and I, I really always like gamification. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. And you could even use those as reward points as as you got more of them, too. So it wasn't the best assistant, but the more you did with it, you would get points for it. And I, I always thought that was a very neat feature on some of the Samsung phones. Yeah. So we will see as we go through the year if we get an AI button on Android. And Michael, I think you've talked about this some on the podcast. You're going to be looking at Android a little more. Do you think that there's going to be something? Well, I, I know one thing I'd like to see is better Braille display support on Android with TalkBack and things like that. But is there anything else you would like to see happen with Android? I guess, you know, better support for, you know, talking to iPhones is always on my list, but, you know. <laughs> he's looking at you, Beeper Mini. Uh, anyways. You know it. <laughs> I think... I would like to see, and full transparency, I have not used a Pixel since the 5 or 6. I don't remember. It might have been the 6. I think it was the 6 Pro's last one that I used. The typing experience with Android has always been painful for me. So I'd like to see a better typing experience. Although, to be fair, Android's Braille input is freaking amazing. But the typing experience and then the web browsing experience, anything to be able to... uh, improve web what does android call them michael uh, web views anything to yeah, improve web views. web views inside of applications i think would be advantageous for talkback users because a lot of apps rely on web views to display or give you content to run their app really so i think that would be a nice improvement do you use android ashley no i tried it for a while and then i didn't i didn't get along very well with it so i i I switch back to iPhone. Yeah, I always keep coming back. We'll see if I, we'll see if that's the case this year. I'm going to try to spend most of this year on Android as my goal. I have this, I have this fancy thing that is not my pick, but it's this this box that has a very small and believe it or not, Michael, round watch that I'm excited to play with too when I get my Android phone to see how that works. And that's the Pixel watch. And I want to see how that experience is compared to the Apple watch. My first initial thoughts are, huh, my wrists are bigger than I thought because the band won't even fit around my wrist. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I want to see, I've gotten to see the, I kind of like the round watches, but I also am just so used to my Apple watch, the, the, the big, 
hunk of metal that's on my wrist, you know, the Ultra, which I I kind of want to see a different design on the on the Ultra in September. Like I like this design, but they, I feel like they could do something a little more sleek. So I'm kind of hoping they do that. But I do think that Android, I, I don't think we're going to see that big of changes on it this year. I think we're going to see, you know, software changes. Obviously, Google I.O. will be in May, as usual, I'm sure. And then, you know, we'll know what's in store for Android, of course. Last year at Google I.O., we had the AI drinking game, right? Where... Mm. <laughs> it was how many times did they say AI at that one event? <laughs> I think there were some YouTube videos where they actually did combine them all and put them in a little, you know. Uh, there was. Yeah, where yeah. they just took the AI mentions and just clipped them all together. Yeah. I don't have the time or energy to do that, but man, that would be fun audio projects. Right. <laughs> so it's... We're seeing a lot of, you know, obviously Android's going to be very AI because of software, Google, and that kind of thing. I'm kind of wondering if we're going to see more AI with the Echo devices, with, you know, A-Lady. They've talked about adding AI to A-Lady, but I have not seen it. Or if they are, that's, you know... Nope, it, it hasn't been pushed. To the best of my knowledge, unless you're a beta user, mm -hmm. uh, and this should, for, for international listeners, this should just be coming to North America for right now. But yeah, they talked about it at their, I want to say, September or October event about a, AI coming to the smart assistant, A-L-E-X-A, and I haven't observed it, but that'll be interesting. Another, another prediction for 2024 that I think, that I think is going to be interesting is I... I'm guessing that a lot of these mainstream apps that we use, Uber, Amazon, maybe not Amazon, but I think there's going to be a lot more combining of mainstream tools and apps into one because hold on. <laughs> I just knocked my entire coffee cup off my desk. Oh no. <laughs> but see, my father-in-law loves me. So he bought me this giant coffee cup that has a, a, a really good lid on it. So I don't have to worry about spilling stuff because he knows me a little bit. Anyways, I think a lot of these mainstream apps that, that are available are going to combine into one because I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I used to five, 10 years ago, download all these apps just to try out these new apps. And now I'm like, if I have two pages of apps on my phone, I want to reduce that as many way possible. So I, I, I could honestly see there being a lot of combining of mainstream apps to make it so you only have to download one or two apps, et cetera. And Elon well, wants to be that one app, just saying. Right. Well, you know, you, you bring that up, and I think we're going to see that. We had an IACast episode about this with streaming, right? And and we're we're starting to see this with Disney, you know, Hulu and Disney becoming one. Max is looking into purchasing Paramount, which a lot of people think is a bad idea, which it kind of is, but, you know, one app and then Netflix. So mm -hmm. we'd be back down to three main streaming apps that we'd have to pay for and Amazon and, and Amazon. But so yeah, four. I have sore feelings about Amazon. Don't get me started on that one. Oh, <laughs> you're going to pay me for Amazon Prime. But guess what? If you want no ads, you got to pay me $3 more a month. Right, right. I, I, I'm there. I'm with you. I, I feel like we, we pay a lot for prime already. <laughs> and we know it'll go up in a couple of months. Like it always does. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. 
that's what that's what they do and so i'm i'm wondering what's the breaking point when will people say enough's enough and you know and i think that's why a lot of these services are losing revenue is because they keep going up in price and so that's why they're combining so i think people are already getting that point they're already you know they cut the cord they switched to apps to save money but now the apps are costing more and more money and there's like 17 billion apps for streaming netflix disney and hulu and all the things so i think and and then the prices are you know for all those subscriptions are about up to the place where they were when they were paying for tv so i think you know people are getting to that point where they're just like we're done we're gonna start cutting out some of these subscriptions Mm -hmm. and then i think sometimes they're starting to make it to where you have to have the stream like I'm a huge Doctor Who fan and Disney is now doing Doctor Who. And to watch those specials, normally I'd say, well, I'll just watch it on Disney and buy them to rewatch on Apple or Google or wherever I buy my content. You cannot buy them. You have to watch them on Disney Plus. Which I think is a shame. I I, I kind of think that you know, maybe they'll come out with Blu-ray and 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 the digital versions later but i feel like keeping people from you know buying a season pass like they have in the past from bbc and all that is it's people like to have their content or at least people like me and so i feel like streaming you know we're going to be seeing like michael was saying streaming kind of changing the market in in that fashion but even going to like you said, Uber, you know, it'd be kind of neat if we had Uber Eats and Uber in one app, you know, that way you only have to have the the one Uber app. That would be nice. Or, you know, you could Uber drive or Uber or ride Uber in one app instead of having to have all these other apps. And like you said, kind of combining that down and then eventually making them multimodal where they can, you can interact with it with voice or text, or, uh, you know, how you do interacting with apps on their own. I think we're going to see more of that this year as well, right? Where we can interact with our services in different ways. So, um, oh, go ahead. Being in the accessibility field a little bit, and with Unmute and all the other content that, that we produce, we try to meet the listener slash consumer at the level that they're at. And for some listeners, that is produce audio. But we're also trying to do, granted, machine learning slash AI generated transcripts because we realize there's some people who have hearing loss and they'd rather just read the transcripts in Braille but still consume the content. And I think being able to produce high quality, because you've been able to produce things in a lot of different formats for quite a while, but being able to produce high quality, multi-format content is going to be huge for 2024 too. Mm-hmm. I agree. So do we think we're going to see new headphones, you know, an improvement on like AirPods or anything like that this, this year? I think so. I think AirPods and Pro and Max we'll see some improvements to their different audio settings. Yeah. I, I think that the, we just got new hardware for the pros. I think we'll, we'll be set on those for a few years, but I think the max will see new ones and maybe the AirPods four will come out. Those would be pretty nice. I, 
I will buy them and the new Maxes because I like the AirPods Max. And, and you know, I I feel like the if they bring out new Maxes, they have to do more than just update the audio codecs, which in, in the audio hardware inside, they need to add, you know, some, some new features to them for, to justify that price range. And hopefully change the style of the, of the case that they came in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because I know a lot of people were having trouble with that case for a while. Yeah, I I'm I mean the case is fine. It's just it's not a very good case. It's just this is where you put your headphones. And the the rumors are we're going to get new iPads this year, new iPad Pro models. Do you guys think we're going to get anything to warrant getting new iPads? Like you know when the M1 iPads came out, that was like, "Oh yeah, this is the time to get a new iPad." But if we get an M3 iPad, does that say, oh, yeah, that is the one to get if you haven't upgraded in a while? Because, well, for me, I have not updated my iPad in two years, which is rare for me. I usually update every year, but I didn't see the need, right? So do you got, do y'all think we're going to see a change to the iPads that say, you know, this this will be good? I'm sorry. I was trying to use Bard to learn how to use this orbit, and it told me a completely incorrect keystroke. And I was trying it, and it's like press and hold dot five and spacebar to get into edit mode, and you'll hear the orbit say edit. And I'm like, the orbit doesn't talk, Bard. Anyway, <laughs> uh, what was your question, Michael? Do you do we think that the iPads will change oh. enough this year to warrant people upgrading, like? Yeah, I, I have the M1 iPad. Do you do we think that the new pros coming out possibly in March would be like, oh, yeah, this is the one to get? I don't think we'll see it, but I'd like to see a foldable one. <sighs> Here we go with the foldables. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. So why do you think why? Why a foldable? Why? Why do we think a foldable would? I, I've just never seen the point of a foldable, personally. I mean, I know people love foldables, but everybody wants a foldable iPhone, and I, I've just never been that... In, like, I saw the foldable in a store the, a few months ago, and I'm like, oh, that's neat. I don't know that I'd ever use it, but... So, why why a foldable? So, the re- so I've never been an iPad user. I, I, I don't see the value in carrying two different devices or using two different devices for myself, but... The time that I had to use an iPad for project that I was involved in, um, it was kind of nice to be able to have a little bit more real estate. So I was thinking, man, it would be nice to have my phone, just use it like I normally would, fold it up, put it in my pocket. But if I need something bigger, unfold my phone, and there's an iPad that's bigger. I get the the desire to not like it. And honestly, Apple's not going to give us a foldable. I think there'd be a lot more rumors about that before now than what there actually is. But it would be a form factor change for both the phone and the iPad. And I think that could be really interesting to see where that evolves to. So would that be the Apple Fold? Yes. <laughs> or or the Pad Phone. It'll, it'll be called the Pad Phone. Pad Phone. The well, Phone Pad. Well, <laughs> well, okay, I think they go with that because they have to put Apple so. before the beginning of everything. So, yeah. yeah. Apple, Apple Phone, phone Pad. pad. You, you, you hear it. You've heard it here. That's a prediction. The Apple Phone Pad. <laughs> If if yeah. if this if this statement comes true because Michael and Ashley don't want it, Michael should buy me one to play with. <laughs> Goodness. 
I could see if it if it were really cool and you could use it for both, like that would be interesting. But eh, I don't think it's gonna happen. And to your other question about iPads, I just upgraded to an iPad Air, so I wouldn't upgrade this year unless there was ability to do multi-user accounts. Yeah, and 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 Apple has done sneaky things like the the current M1 through. M2 iPads should support you uh, multi-user accounts if they ever bring that. But you know they'll try to say, you need an M3 iPad to support this. But, Next, that, I want that but that is the one feature that I would really love on an iPad. Like, you know, multi-user accounts. You know, the the Mac can do that. And if they want the iPad to be the equivalent computer, that's kind of the next step for the iPad. Yeah, especially since it's advertised as an alternative to a computer. Right. And and I mean, Android tablets and other devices, I believe, can do that as well. So it's it's that's one thing that the, the iPads need. What are, what are your thoughts, Michael? Does the iPad need multi-user support? Oh, yeah. Yep, sure does. Like, hands down, because we won't buy multiple iPads or, or in the, in the education environment, for example, schools could buy mm-hmm. one iPad and students could switch on and off with them. And right now you have to have an iPad dedicated for a specific student, if that's how you want to use it in that scenario. And right. yeah, Apple does not give you that flexibility, which I wish they did. Agreed. I, I do feel like there are certain things, certain ways the iPad is still just a large iPhone. I have breaking news. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Dot five is apparently the middle key on the left side of the keyboard. No. <laughs> what? According to Bard. <laughs> this will be a very interesting episode to for people to listen to to see how where AI is as a measurement for 2025. <laughs> right. And, and, and that's, I'm thinking, well, like, man, do we really want AI to be in control? Because that is wrong. I'm like, uh, you're wrong. Actually, dot five is on the right hand. It's like, I apologize. You're correct. I'm like, I know I'm correct. <laughs> what? How do you know you're correct when you just said that? <laughs> right. That's bad. <sighs> wow. Anyways. Wow. And 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 I guess is that is that even running Gemini yet or no? I don't think so. I don't I don't think so. Now, my Bard account just for full transparency is a Google Workspace account. So I think it is behind what might be the general public because that's typically how Google does it unless the admin goes in and sets you up for like beta tools to be able to get released to you. So I think it's just the standard Bard, but wow. That's never made sense to me that Google Workspace gets things before Gmail users. You mean after? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. After. Yeah. yeah. Or or <laughs> you can't use Google Assistant with your Google Workspace account in the calendar unless you go in and specifically enable that because you know that makes sense. Or here's the more important one. See, you got me on rant, Michael. Did you know if you sign in primarily on an Android device as your first account with your Google Workspace account, guess what? You can't back your Android phone up. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. It sucks. Well, and, and even passkeys came later to Workspace. Yeah. So, and and I'll tell you, we you guys just did an episode on passkeys on, on Unmute, I believe, correct? Yeah, Demosity United. Yeah, and and now every time I log into my Google account, it says 
passkey is not, it shows it grayed out and it shows that it's not available. I'm like, no devices available is what it says. I'm like, okay, what is the use of this if I can't use it? That's interesting. Have it you, is. Were you able to use passkeys in the past? And I was. just stopped? Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, I'll have to investigate that. But for 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 a user that's not technically inclined, for that to just happen is is yeah. is not good, you know. Yep. So, very interesting stuff, and we know we're going to get the Vision Pro. Are are y'all interested in in what that is going to bring, or is it kind of still eh, version two? I think for me, version two, I would be interested in seeing what it does and how it works. But for me, looking forward to seeing, you know, what, how it is now and then how it gets improved next year or whenever. Yeah, same here. I just recently got into wearable technology and have a pair of glasses with a camera on it. And I don't use them as much as I thought I would before I got them. So I don't know that dropping $3,500 right now on something that I may or may not use is going to be worth it. So I'm interested to see where developers go with it to see how that increases the value for me. See, here's one thing with these kind of glasses that I will say. They're great. I've had several pair. I've had the Jordy, the Patriot Viewpoint, and I love them all because they help me see so much better. The issue that I have with them is it takes two to three minutes just to get where I can look through them for boot up. And that's not very effective when you just want to take them off and put them back, put them down and put them back on. It's like, all right, let me boot this thing up and get it going. You know, if if it was something that you could just take out of a bag, put on and it's ready to go in five, ten seconds, that's where we're talking. Right. Yes. Yes. Because with the Celeste glasses that I have, you have to be the glasses themselves have to be connected to a Wi Fi network as well, mm -hmm. which is not horrible. But when you're cleaning up devices on your network and you block your glasses from your network, it's like, oh, I can't, I can't connect to this. <laughs> so I have it set up so it connects to my phone's hotspot now. And that seems to be more consistent. But again, it takes 45 seconds to a minute to just turn on so you can start scanning stuff. Right. And the battery life isn't there to leave it on. Right. And and that will be the same for the Vision Pro. It has like two hours on that battery pack, which is why I always make the joke that I'll buy like four or five of those. <laughs> so four it or can five get battery packs or Vision Pros? Because if you're buying four or five Vision Pros, then my address is... <laughs> battery packs. Battery packs. You know, it's... If you want to get a whole day out of it and, and it only works for two hours, that's kind of an issue. Although they they do for the battery packs. Right. They do say you could use it with your Mac, so hmm. Maybe I'll just have my big backpack that, you know, holds like four laptops and just plug it up to a Mac and use that as the battery pack. So I I am interested in this just because of the low vision aspect, if it can help me see better, that then, you know, that's where my interest lies in this. So I will be getting one and I will be bringing it to a convention this year. I'm going to try to make it to ACB so we can all kind of look around and, and play with it. So I think this year is going to be a very reactive year. I feel like 2023 was kind of a, 
a, a lot of shifts in technology. You know, we had Twitter becoming X. We had AI becoming on the scene. People are trying to figure out where they want to go for their social media. And I feel like we're going to be reacting to a lot of those changes this year. I think we're we're going to be seeing people settle down where they want to be. But I'm I'm kind of wondering, do you guys think Mastodon is going to be the next stay the place where we as a community, like as, as people that are blind and low vision stay, or do you think that that is kind of crumbling or what are y'all's thoughts? I think we're people are going to stay in Mastodon because they have roots. They're starting to build communities. Thing, you know, other servers are being built around those communities. So I think that as a, as a community and as businesses, people are going to stay on Mastodon. Yeah, I agree. Not everyone's going to come over to Mastodon, just like not everyone used X or not everyone used Facebook. But those who do, I think, from what I have observed, have built out that community so they can keep that those connections that like OG 2007, 2008 Twitter actually was used for, you know, what what are we what are people doing? And if there's a hashtag you want to follow, by the way, uh, hashtag IACast, right, Michael? Am I wrong? Anyway, uh, if there's a hashtag people want to follow, then they can go follow that and be connected with people. I think you've solved the problem, Michael. I think where Mastodon might be problematic for some users is the discovery aspect, being able to search for things and find new people to engage with. I'm following 124 people on Mastodon, I think, right now. And if I want to grow that, I, I, it's kind of a process to go find new people to follow. And, and I think that's where there may be a little bit of resistance with Mastodon's growth. I think I went a little follow happy. I'm following 740 people. Yeah, but you cheated. You imported a whole group of people. I'm not doing that. But that was 100 easy. people. That was only 100 out of 740. <laughs> no. WordPress users. Okay. Good to know. Well, it may have been. I don't think so, but. <laughs> <laughs> either either way, you know. Yeah. You, you your, your timeline, though, is full of updated information, I imagine. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It updates very, but you know what my, it does not update as fast as other like social, like Twitter and other places. It, it does not change as much, which I'm kind of happy about. And I like the fact that it's not an algorithm. It is a true timeline. Do you guys think that threads or blue sky will pick up any, any traction? I don't think threads will, but I don't know much about blue sky to make a prediction. Yeah, I was going to say similar. I, I don't know enough about Blue Sky. I know Michael offered to give me a code and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not really interested. Like, I don't want to be too spread. I, don't, I have a LinkedIn account that I don't do anything with. So adding another social media, I think will be not advantageous to help me grow. I joined because it was a new shiny thing. <laughs> but y'all, y'all know that about me. So oh, yes, yes. <laughs> If it's tech-related, I want to play with it. You know, and and one thing, you know, we talked about earlier about Michael kind of looking more at Android soon. One thing I would love to know is if you find a good replacement on Android for for shortcuts. And, you know, I think this one thing that I'm going to be concentrating on this year is automation and finding ways to take tedious tasks and, and make them just work, you know, 
automatically. And I think that that's a good goal for everybody using technology is to always find ways to automate so that you can make your life easier. I'm all about automation. Mm -hmm. So do you guys have any other predictions that you would like to see for the year? Or do you think we've covered it pretty well? I'd, I'd love to hear y'all's comments. I think we've covered it pretty well from my predictions. I can't think of other things in 2020. I'm interested where accessibility will go with mainstream and accessibility-specific tools. It'll be interesting what happens at CES next next week. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, for, for me, you know, like you said, I would... I would honestly like to see, and you know, it's been a big thing in the news about technology uh, company, you know, these accessibility companies buying overlay companies. We're not going to go into that whole discussion here because that is a very big debate. But what I want to say is I would like to see AI do more with making things more accessible, being a place for knowledge and, and helping to automate some of that properly you know knowing what is good to automate with ai tools and programming not an overlay but where ai can be used to properly make things more accessible and the other thing that i would like to see happen is for screen readers to do more to make things accessible because whether we like it or not, there's going to be inaccessible content. And I think that screen reader vendors, JAWS, NVDA, Narrator, VoiceOver, could do work to say, okay, visually, there's this hamburger menu on this page. And the flicking order, th this item is not showing in the flicking order. I'm on the heading, uh, the, the, the header logo, I flick to the right, it's not going to that. Well, maybe I need to use some AI tools to figure out that that button is there and make it to where you could click on that. That's where we need to, I, I would like to see progress be made where our screen reader tools can help make inaccessible content accessible. I don't want that to be a, a way to say companies don't have to make things accessible, but that it allows for people to still use websites. Does that make sense? So that's one thing that I would like to see happen. And I think vendors can do that with our technology now. Yeah, I agree. So those are those are some thoughts that I would like to see going forward. And I, I really think we're going to see companies try to, not just in accessibility, but in, in tech in general, try to kind of push the envelope because AI allows us to go past the boilerplate code and write that next best thing because we can get things done as long as it explains it as long as it writes good code and doesn't tell you where keys are improperly on a braille keyboard. <laughs> so I think that this is going to wrap up this episode and I'll be curious to know next year if we were right or what we got wrong or where things are going to go. I mean, there's the, these are just certain topics that we talked about, but there are going to be so many other areas, and we'll talk about that through the year. So I'm I'm going to be very curious to see where we go. And and that's why we do this podcast is just to talk about technology, have a discussion. So we will be talking more about that in the new year. So I hope everybody out there has a great new year. And as we always do with the end of our episodes, 
Michael, do you have a pick this time and where can people find you online? Yeah, so I'll keep mine in relation to the podcast content today. I'm going to pick Mac GPT. So this is specifically for Mac users. It's a downloadable app that I believe is $20 now. And you can either connect it with your API key or you can log in with your OpenAI account. If you have GPT Plus, you can chat with ChatGPT right there in your computer. You can also put it on your menu bar or set a keystroke to pop focus into it. And what really makes that nice is your sidebar comes over as well. So if you have custom GPTs that you've pinned to it, you can pin those on Mac GPT, but you can also go back to the history of your chats and see what other things, what other things you've talked about. Lastly, you can attach files, which means that chat GPT can receive photos and you can send that right there within Mac GPT as well. There's some additional functionality, highly recommend it, especially if you're interested in this, because then you don't have to keep a tab open on the Mac GPT website. You can find me on Mastodon Payom, P-A-Y-O-W-N at unmute.community and listen to me on Technically Working Every Monday and Unmute in your favorite podcast app. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, and Mac GPT is great. And what I want to know is, can you access your custom GPTs if you have an API key? Like, can you go and grab those? That would be pretty cool, like with the API. I guess since it's, are, when you look at your custom GPTs, are you looking at the chat GPT website or the Mac GPT native? Ah, so you look at the native Mac GPT window and your custom GPTs show up there. Now, full transparency, I don't use the developer API key. In your open AI account, under my account, I believe there's an API key you can add which, you know, isn't confusing at all, but you can add and sign in with that as well. And I believe if you use that API key, it will pull in your custom GPTs that you have associated with your OpenAI chat.openai account. Interesting. And again, not confusing at all. <laughs> Sarcasm. All right. So Ashley, do you have a pick this time and where can people find you online? Mm-hmm. My pick this week is to do this. It's a tasks app that helps you be organized and check things after your list. And you can find me on Mastodon at ashleyc.mindly.social. Fantastic. And my pick this week, there's so many options I can pick from. I'm going to pick, let's see. I've been thinking about this and it's actually a book series and we've been talking about it a bit. Actually, no, I'm going to change. I'm so random. I'm going to pick a TV show I've been watching on Disney Plus, Marvel's What If, fantastic season two. It's a fantastic season, really cool stuff, and kind of gives you a different side of the Marvel Comics character. So What If season two, fantastic. Check it out on Disney Plus and good stuff. So you could find me online as Mike Doeys pretty much everywhere. I'm Mastodon, Mike Doeys at techopolis.social. That's M-I-K-E-D-O-I-S-E at techopolis, T-E-C-H-O-P-O-L-I-S dot social. You can email me at mikedoeys at icloud.com and I'm on Facebook at all the places. Thank you guys so much for being here. This has been a great episode. You can find you know find us on our website iacast.net. We have a Discord server that's been published online on Mastodon. So 
look for my post about that and we'll put it in the show notes here so you can come join and talk to us and even listen and chat while we do some of our podcast recordings. So it's all fantastic. We also have, you know, some new content coming out. We're going to, we're changing the radio station. So we have, we're keeping it fresh. So you won't have to listen to content six months old anymore. (laughs) So all new things. And we hope you guys come back for episode 203 of the podcasts. Thank you, Michael and Ashley for being here. Ashley, it's good to have you back with us. It's always cool to talk to you on the podcast. So thank you for being here and we will see you all next time on another IA cast. Bye everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the IA cast. We hope you enjoyed the show and found the conversation to be insightful and informative. If you have any feedback or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email at feedback at IACast.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at IACast Network to stay informed about new episodes and other updates. Don't forget to check out more great podcasts on the IACast Network, IACast.net. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon.